How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 38 of the Easy Peasy Podcast. You know, today I thought I'd talk about this this idea that seems to be prevalent anymore of being illegal by default. You follow me? It seems that it doesn't take much anymore to be labeled as a criminal or a outcast or, you know, a second-class citizen. And that's concerning to me because I was under the impression that all people are equal and free under the law and in the eyes of God. But it doesn't seem to be that way anymore. Certain groups are are illegal by default. Or at least it's becoming that way. You know, I heard something about about Western Australia recently. And it's concerning. It's that motorcycle clubs are basically illegal in Western Australia. It is now illegal to wear a logo, you know, a patch or a badge or even a tattoo of a known motorcycle organization. You know, in Australia, they call them bikies. We call them bikers. But the thing about bikers is they're they're outlaws, no doubt. But there's a big difference between an outlaw and a criminal. And to be punished for simply wearing an insignia, you know, that's a violation of free speech. And it's concerning, you know, and the fact that a lot of people don't want to take a shot and are basically being labeled criminal for the refusal of a medication. That's scary. That's scary, you know, and they don't really seem to want to talk about the the true implications of these kind of decisions. They just want us to feel safe, right? You know, bikers, they're scary. They're a menace to society. The thing of it is, they're not. You know, I guess I don't know what it's like in Australia, but I've met a lot of bikers, and they tend to be really good people. Sure, they have, you know... A common characteristic usually of being a bit anti-authority. And perhaps there has been a history of, you know, motorcycle gangs being, you know, genuine, you know, organized crime sort of organizations. But I don't believe that's the case these days as much, if at all. You know, a lot of these clubs, the, the, you know, the... Uh, Hell's Angels and the One Percenters and 
you know, these are international clubs. We have them here in the States and they're the same ones that are being outlawed in Australia. And it's kind of unnerving. Now I should clarify, I believe it's just Western Australia. I guess the state of Western Australia. But we're not so fucking different from Australia. You know, what they're doing there today might be what we're doing here a year from now. And I'm not affiliated with any motorcycle club myself. But I understand that if they take away that, what else will they take away? You know, are churches of a certain type going to be on the on the chopping block because that's that's where things tend to go if you look in our you know in human history but we're supposed to be better than that here you know and it's so fascinating because I'm just trying to trying to keep a read on the situation without getting bogged down and overwhelmed and you know cuz that's how they they want you to feel they want you to feel scared you know, I'm trying to remain somewhat informed, especially when it comes to things like, you know, labor stoppages. You know, I'm not going to use the word strike because apparently it's illegal to advocate for a general strike in the United States of America, which is a little bit shocking, but I heard that just yesterday. <clears throat> I should probably confirm it, but, you know, a general strike is where people in all different sort of sectors, you know, they share a common grievance and they'll strike together. This happens in other places, but I guess some laws were passed in the 1950s and 60s about how and when and why, you know, and where people can strike there's very strict rules about how a strike is supposed to be done and if it's not done properly you could be a criminal this is this is incredible you know this is to be made an, a criminal by default by doing nothing by not working you know they don't like people just saying no but to 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 be punished for doing nothing right to be punished for refusing a medication or for refusing to work you know that seems to me a violation of basic human rights you should not be punished for inaction you know, even even when there was a draft for the for the military, there was the option to be a conscientious objector. You know, the the basic right to say, I do not believe my conscience will allow me to take the life of another. So they would make sort of 
positions, right? They'd still draft you, but they wouldn't put a weapon in your hand. They would respect your right to say, I will not do that. Of course, if you dodged the draft entirely, you were a criminal. Which I would say is, again, being a criminal by default. And, and does not seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. You know, a lot of things don't seem to make a lot of sense anymore. But it's like... I just got back from my trip out east. I went to visit my lover. And I, I took her to a wedding of a dear friend, you know. Went up to Vermont and stayed in a 200-year-old bed and breakfast. Felt like stepping back in time, right? Felt so refreshing, you know, when everything around us doesn't make any sense being able to go to a place where you don't even have cell coverage and you walk in the door and there's just a, a buzz of energy. You know, all the guests of this little inn are, you know, strewn about somewhere in the, in the sort of front room having a, uh, you know, a conversation and other folks are drinking cocktails in the great room and back by the kitchen there's four or five tables with people sat down and, you know, dinner being served. And it felt like going back in time to a, to a place where people were simply in the space around them, not so concerned about things going on elsewhere, you know, walking in there, it just, it felt so natural and we stayed in this little in this little inn for two nights and we actually got to know the the couple who operate the place and you know they had bought it when it was a derelict property and you know the place was kind of run down and they they fixed it up and they got it running you know running again and and you know it's just such a cool story and a little piece of america this this colonial era in you know built in 1821 it had just turned 200 it's called the rolls in r-o-w-e-l-l-s absolutely <clears throat> absolutely beautiful place highly recommended i'm i'm actually thinking i might try to get the owners on this show because they were too cool but we went to my friend's wedding, as I said, and it was just so beautiful. It was so good. It was like, in the last two years, that was the thing that made the most sense. You know, because I could see how much my friend is deeply in love with his new wife. And seeing them make that promise to one another was a beautiful thing to witness. And, you know, I... I feel privileged, I feel honored to have been there. And it was so beautiful. The fall colors in Vermont were just off the charts. You know, I think we were there at the very, very peak of fall colors. But it all made sense, right? It just made sense. You know, the celebration and the, the camaraderie and the, 
you know, being with old friends and and taking part in what is essentially a an ancient human ritual. You know, like weddings and funerals. I am so upset that I I was not allowed to participate in my grandfather's funeral this past year. You know, he died at 92 and it wasn't from COVID, just FYI. But, you know, it was the kind of thing where they were concerned about, you know, keeping it small, not wanting too many folks around and not wanting to expose the old folks to the young folks and I mean, come on. You can't have an outdoor funeral. You can't allow people that ritual of mourning and, you know, the the sort of ceremonial act of of saying goodbye collectively to a loved one. I mean, it makes me sick that we stopped doing those kinds of things over the last couple of years. We allowed them to talk us out of doing these basic human things. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, I don't care if it's January. I'll stand outside the entire time. If you want to say no, you know, no indoor gathering. That's, you know, fucking whatever. But... It didn't make any sense to me that I couldn't go bury my grandfather. Made a whole lot of sense that I was able to go see my friend get married, though. That felt right. You know, it felt like the most, the most logical and the most human thing I had done in quite a while. You know, so I I start thinking about how when, when we're in this new kind of world where you can be a criminal by default for simply not getting a shot. You know, it's, it's not something we have the luxury of ignoring. I keep talking about it because there's not really the case to be made for just blowing this off. I mean, I am, I am choosing the route of, of non-compliance but that doesn't mean I can just turn off the news like many people sort of are advocating for. I have to see what's happening. I have to see how they're how they're how they're framing things and how they're how they're shaping the narrative because it's important. Like I started to get concerned, right? The whole point of this story, you know, after the wedding, after having just such a such a wonderful time, and spending a whole week out east with this beautiful, beautiful woman. You know, I I didn't really want to come home, but I knew I needed to. My dog was waiting for me. My clients were waiting for me. And I start hearing about all these canceled flights on Southwest Airlines, which is what I fly, Right. I've got a ticket home in two days and I start hearing that there's, you know, a thousand canceled flights on Southwest. And I start reading about it and it's just not making a whole lot of sense. 
none of it's making sense. You know, people are claiming that it's weather related and it's the air traffic control, you know, and air traffic control is denying that they're having any issues. And, you know, people start speculating that it's a, a sick out, right? But the union, the, the Southwest pilots union, you know, denies that there's any kind of organized, you know, sick out. But to me, that means maybe there's an unorganized one and maybe it's only five or 10% of the, of the pilots and, you know, five or 10% of the flight attendants, but maybe that's enough to cause a commotion. And I find it awfully ironic that, you know, there's a demonstration out in front of Southwest headquarters just a couple days later. You know, unless this is all a charade, unless this is for show, I think it's a quiet strike. You know, nobody wants to say the word. It's like the strike nobody's talking about, but you know, we have we have ample reason to at least suspect that there are some disgruntled Southwest employees. You know, a week before the canceled flights, they filed a lawsuit trying to block the mandate. The pilots union. They they tried to get that shot down within the courts. So all of this is kind of just suspect, right? Suspicious. It's a little bit coincidental if if it's not actually you know, I everybody is having personnel problems. And I'm sure Southwest is not immune. And it's because they're trying to force everybody's hands into doing something. And some people don't want to do it. You know, and I, I've been hearing about this in many situations. Now, I know there are strikes going on for other reasons as well. Or at least that's how they're portraying it. You know, some... I think it's Kellogg's employees and John Deere employees. They're going on strike because their pay has been cut or stagnant for a long time or something of that nature. But I think a lot of these, these labor issues have a lot to do with this mandate for the jab. Right. And I made a list because I've been hearing about it in all kinds of sectors. Right. You know, it's like <clears throat> dock workers, you know, there's a reason there's ships floating off the coast of California, and it's because I've heard there's as little as 50% of the, of the dock workers actually coming into work. You know, truck drivers, we're about to really start to feel, you know, that could be part of this backup of, of cargo in the oceans as well as... You know, there's not enough trucks to clear the docks to get the cargo out. You know, I've, I, I've just, I've heard that this is all trickling and, and it's all connected. Of course it is. But, you know, hearing about law enforcement and EMS, like large portions of, of law enforcement agencies are refusing to get vaccinated. A lot of, a lot of medics, a lot of nurses, a lot of doctors. You know, a lot of, you know, as I said, airline staff, government workers, you know, federal employees. 
And then you've got your everyday people that just happen to work for a company who is going to go along with this mandate and they're facing the threat of jab or no job, right? You know, that's your just cooks and clerks and cashiers and stockers and stackers and salespeople and service people and, you know, you name it. And it's all coming to a head. And nobody's talking about it. You know? It's so bizarre. And I just... I wonder when we're going to start to notice, you know, I, I need to, I need to do a little bit more shopping and stock up on basic food for the winter. I really do because I'm, I'm starting to think that those shelves are going to be bare. And even if they're not bare, they, they might get expensive. You know, everything is about to get expensive. <clears throat> and, you know, I talk about this stuff because we have to, we have to start thinking about how we can get out of this system, this, this completely nonsensical system in which you know, things can just be manipulated from on high and you have no way to guard against it. You know, we need to take our money into our own hands. We need to take our food into our own hands. We need to start building communities of mutually beneficial relationships, right? And it's important that we do it soon, I'm convinced. And I'm, I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm just trying to be realistic. You know, I really do think the best course of action is for us to sort of, you know, focus on building networks, communities, taking our money into our own hands with things like crypto, you know, taking the power back through agorism and, and sort of counter economic thought and exchange right like local economies that are that are completely out of the hands of the federal government you know it's it's really insulting this whole thing about how they're going to be looking into any any bank account with more than $600 and the justification is so that they can you know have a easier time like making sure that the rich pay their fair share it, it it doesn't make sense it's nonsense it's just a way to to basically keep an eye on all of us on every one of us no matter how rich or poor we are and it's 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 just nonsense that we're allowing it when we have the tools at our disposal. So we need to take control of our money. We need to take control of our food. We need to uphold our own freedom. You know, because if we don't, it's just gonna, it's gonna get taken away. You know, I really haven't talked a whole lot about 
sort of the Great Reset or Agenda 21. But these are these are things that shouldn't be kept in the shadows anymore. They're not conspiracy. They're they're being implemented right in front of us. You know, and the people who advocate for Agenda 21 and for the Great Reset, they don't make any bones about it. They're not, they're not hiding it. They state their intentions right in front of you. You know, and you hear about you hear about billionaires trying to build like utopian cities out in the desert, you know? Egalitarian paradises and shit. It's like I don't know what to think about that. I think they're playing they're trying to play like ant farm with humans. It's it's a it's another way to try to control people. I'm I'm sure of it. You know, I I think we need to self-organize in small collectives. You know, I don't want to have to apply to live in Jeff Bezos's little, you know, bubble. You know, I want to team up with with just some regular folks, you know, some families. You know, a handful of households kind of joining together and helping each other out and participating in in exchange. You know, sticking to the local economy. And I swear we just, we should just stop using the dollar whenever possible. We have so many other things that we can exchange as money. It's pretty simple. You know, to me it makes sense. Because if the goods stop coming in, what are you going to do? What else can you do? Again, I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm just trying to speak honestly and I'll tell you, I think I think the supply chain issues that were we're starting to feel just the early early warning signs of it's not going to get any better unless unless things change in the political landscape. Yeah, unless this demand that everybody take the shot is rescinded, it's just going to get worse because you've gotten everybody you're going to get. A lot of people are saying no. A lot of people have walked off the job. I think I heard like it's like four and a half million people have just walked off the job in the last, I don't know, year or something. It's like it might even be more recent than that. A lot of people have just said, fuck it. This job ain't worth it. I can find something else. Have you seen all the help wanted signs? You know, I have. And I just don't believe Southwest Airlines or the Pilots Union when they say there was no staffing issues. I'm not saying there was an organized strike, but I'm saying everybody's having staffing issues. So what can you believe, right? I say you can believe in your friends and your neighbors, and your family, even if you've been sort of at odds with one another. 
You know, that's all that we can do. That's all that makes sense. You know, the systems around us are crumbling. And they're they're just grasping at straws trying to trying to keep it afloat. But it's it's not making sense anymore and people are starting to realize it. And this desire to get everybody in line. It's just not it's not the way we're supposed to do things. There's enough people at this point willing to stand apart and willing to say no that you know I'm afraid we're at some kind of standstill we're at some kind of you know what's the word standoff gridlock something's going to have to give I'm afraid that prices are going up, shelves are going to run dry, and it's because the the truckers and the dock workers and the stockers and the stackers, they don't want to be pushed around. I'm not sure if the connection is all that clear, but this stuff about bikers in Australia, to me, is so significant. They have to they have to cover their tattoos simply to be in the public space. They have to take the patches and the badges off of their jackets. Because to identify oneself as an outlaw is now criminal in that country. Are we heading that way? You know, if I wear a t shirt two years from now that says unvaxxed not that I would but is that going to be enough to to receive some level of punishment I don't know you know it took us less than two years to get to the point where people have allowed you know firings over this we're willing to say collectively apparently that it's acceptable for someone to be fired for refusing a medication simple as that which sounds pretty unethical to me and I'm pretty sure it's against the Nuremberg trials to coerce anyone into a medication yet that's what we are allowing that's where we've gone. So in another two years, where are we going to be? Is it going to be you can go to jail for refusing a medication? You know, they're, they're starting to deny medical service to the unvaxxed. That's a direct violation of the Hippocratic Oath. So what is sacred? You know, we're abandoning our traditions just at an astronomical rate. And it's, it's dangerous because tradition is there, you know, for a very good reason. This foundation that was laid for us by our ancestors, we should not just throw it out. Can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. 
and they're justifying it with this illness, which, frankly, I think whatever we had have done, whatever we might have done, there's not a whole lot that could have made much of a difference. We tried. We did what we did. You know, for a while there, a, you know, a vast majority of people did their very best to stay home and to and to flatten the curve. And then when we started going back out again, you know, that virus just was always going to do what it was going to do. The masks didn't stop it. Whether or not they helped, I'll I'll leave in your that's that's for you to decide. I know how I feel about it. You know, the vaccine, again, is it helping? Perhaps. Is it stopping the virus? Is it ever going to stop the virus? Was it ever going to stop the virus? No. So blaming it on the, on the percentage of people who just don't want that medicine for whatever reason, it's just not logical. You know, why don't you blame it on the folks that that allowed it to get out. The people that fucked around, played, you know, playing God, trying to make something that doesn't exist in nature. You know, that is more than likely what happened. I'm not saying it is what happened, but you'd be a fool to think that that's not the, you know, the probable explanation. So I say all this just to just to say that if it doesn't make sense it's probably because it's bullshit. You know, there's no logic to a lot of what's being done. Or if there is logic it's fear-based and short-sighted and full of potential for unintended consequences. Many times it's better to do nothing than to do something sort of that is unethical, unjust. They've done so many things to try to stop this shit, but it was never going to be stopped. So how do we proceed? Are we going towards a totalitarian system, a global government just like they've wanted Are we going to let, you know, this, this vision of the, of the great reset where, you know, you will own nothing and be glad. That's what they're advocating for. They want to tear down property rights. They want to tear down all human rights, turn you into a little, little zoo animal in their, in their billionaire funded, you know, utopian freaking hellscape. None of it's going to be good. It might look shiny and, and new on the surface, but you get in there and you're just a hamster in their hamster maze, right? You're just, you're just turning a wheel instead of being human. I want to find a village. I want to, I want to find my tribe. God damn it. I'll say it. I know that's apparently cultural appropriation to say that. Which doesn't make any sense. We all came from tribe. We all came from a village. We all 
We all came from hunter-gatherers and gardeners. That's our biology. It's what makes sense. You know, luckily, I got my flight home, no problem. The Southwest, you know, strike that isn't a strike. You know, it kind of settled down by the time I got on my plane. I was, I was grateful to get home, but I really hope that people hold out. And I hope that the disruption continues. And I learned my lesson for now. Until things change, you know, as long as they're threatening their own employees, as long as they're toying with the idea of, of requiring vaccination for flying, you know, like they're talking about that with the customers. You know, it's it, as long as that's what's going on, I'm just, I'm not going to risk it again. I don't want to be stranded a thousand miles from home. So I'm going to be driving everywhere I go. That's where I'm at. And I, I, I hope this episode wasn't too rambly, but I'm just trying to make that point. Like there's a lot of nonsense, but we gotta, we gotta look towards each other. We gotta, we gotta rely on the people in our lives that, that make sense. The ones that, that don't want to just be a hamster on a wheel, but want something better. I think there's a lot more of us than we realize. And it really doesn't matter if you've taken the shot or if you haven't. It's how we go forward from here. And I think I'll I think I'll wrap it up, call it an episode there. You know, it's uh it's heavy stuff, you know, and I'm really hoping that I can just kind of get this out of the way. And lay the foundation and, and make the argument as to why all this centralized control is just a net negative. You know, no matter how you feel about sort of the virus and all that. I'm just making the argument that we have to we have to retain our freedom and our decision making power in our own lives. We cannot we cannot just bow to the will of the elites, of the powerful, of the of the wealthy. We have to make our own way. We have to regain our independence. And I don't mean that as individuals, but I mean that as communities. And I'm doing what I can. You know, I'm 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 about to go out and start start trying to put a team together. You know? And I, I hope it goes well. I hope I can get a good team together because, you know, this easy peasy thing, that's, that's how I want to make sense. It's how I want to uh, change things. It's how I want to build community. I've got a vision and I'm, I'm working towards it. I recommend you, you consider what kind of vision you want. What kind of life you want. Because if you keep your eyes on the on the prize, I got a feeling we're gonna we're gonna end up someplace really, really good. Those of us who who set our priorities and who take control of our own lives. 
I think we're on to something and I think we'll be just fine. We just got to get there. All right, y'all. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. This has been Mike the Polymath with the Easy Peasy Podcast. Come back again. <laughs>